0: so you can feel it instead of thinking about it to see if it's a good match for you. That is jointheantidote.com. Scroll all the way down and you will see a place to pop your email address in and grab the recording. Birds flying high, you know how I feel. Sun in the
1: sky, you know how I feel
2: Hello, and welcome to this episode of That's What She Said. I've got my personal magical healer human, Aimee Derbis, A-I-M-E-E. D E R B E S of alignnewyork.com. By my calculations, she should be about 67 years old based on the number of certifications and degrees she has. She's a doctor of Chinese medicine, an herbalist, a Reiki master, a breathwork practitioner, an acupuncturist, and an offer of cupper, cupping and healing touch services as well. She's my personal healing practitioner at this moment. And bonus, she has one of the most gorgeous souls I've ever met. So, hi. Hi, Kristen. Thanks for How having me. How
1: are you? Um, oh, I'm doing great. Just enjoying this April snowstorm.
2: Yes, the very <laughs> the very common April in the Northeast snowstorm. Um, first, is there any practice or service that I missed
1: from your intro? Um, I don't think you missed anything. Just for the sake of clarity, I am not a Reiki master. I've done Reiki one and two, and. Okay. Uh, as of a few days from now, when I take a certification exam, I will be a Healing Touch certified practitioner, which was a three-year process. And I'm really excited about completing that.
2: Amazing. And for the people that don't know the difference between Reiki and Healing Touch, can you give the, the 30-second version? <laughs>
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I tell people that Reiki and Healing Touch are both like branches from the same tree of energy medicine. They're both using um, light touch or off-body work to help restore and balance the human energy field, which has effects that can range from from physical to emotional and spiritual. Um, They're very similar. And if you don't have any experience with either, you probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference as um, the person receiving.
2: Okay, cool. And um, from your website, one of the things that I love about you is that you do so many things. And um, you say, working with many tools helps me meet you exactly where you are. While acupuncture, herbs, breathwork, and healing touch all get at the same root issues, they access and work through different levels of our physical, emotional, and energetic patterns. They are all integral to how I support people. And that's genius and lovely. And those sentences, I'm sure, took about a year and a half to get yeah. accurate. Um, but my sense is that nobody dives this deeply into healing without having like big things that they have to heal themselves. Is that
1: accurate? Um, in my case, absolutely. Um, <laughs> yeah, everything I do is um, something that I've come to in my experience of trying to figure out how to be a person living in a body and how to keep moving forward in my life and just expand in who I am. And it started, I guess, let's see, probably when I was in college, and I tried out being a vegan for the first time was the first time that I really experimented with like, how do I change things in my life intentionally to see if they make me feel better? Mm -hmm. Because I had this sense that how I felt was only a tiny piece of what was possible. And I had a few chronic health issues growing up that were pretty consuming, if not uh, horribly serious. I had some really severe allergies that led to a lot of ER visits and asthma and skin issues. And I just never, I never felt great. And I knew something about that was a little off. So um, I started in my early 20s trying to figure out like what what's going on with my body? And is are, is there another way to heal this besides taking more medications and more inhalers? And, you know, there's got to be a better way. And I was living in California at the time. So the range of alternative healing practices available to me was pretty, pretty ginormous. Mm-hmm. And I started trying everything. And the first thing that really made me feel like I was alive was getting acupuncture for the first time. Um, I had pretty low expectations and it was like the first needle that went into my body. I I felt like somebody had literally put the key in the ignition and like turned me on for the very first time. And I was 22 and I just I remember leaving that appointment and getting on the bus to go home and I just sat on the bus staring out the window just like silent crying the whole way home because I thought is is this what everybody else has been feeling like this whole time? Like, have I missed 22 years of feeling alive? And uh, that's really what kind of kicked off my adventure to see how all these different ways to work with the mind and the body and the spirit really felt and what helped me, what didn't help me, you know, I just got really curious how everything would feel. And so I tried a lot of stuff. And that's what landed me in acupuncture school. But it turned out that was the only the beginning. <laughs> you just kept going and going.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, for people who, if, as we sort of work through the practices, um, for people that have never experienced acupuncture, and they might be afraid of needles, or they might be like, what's the big deal? Or what's the benefit? Or why would I bother with that? Um, can you give the the quick rundown?
1: Absolutely. Um, so acupuncture is now treated as the insertion of super fine needles into different points in the body. Um, the needles are really tiny, and I understand I see a lot of people who are, not comfortable with kind of hypodermic needles who feel differently about acupuncture needles. And then there are other people that just aren't comfortable with any of them. And there are still lots of ways to work with your uh, acupuncture meridians, kind of the channels that all these points run along without using needles. So they're not necessary. But what happens when you put acupuncture needles in from a Western physiological standpoint is that your blood sugar goes down, your blood pressure goes down, Um, There's a immune response that lasts for a few days, even Um, there's an increase in lymph and blood and circulation and waste materials are recycled more quickly. So these are kind of like the things that we've discovered in science that are happening. But there's a much bigger picture happening, which is that there is like a reconnection that's happening in your body. So all the parts are integrated, all the parts are balanced, things that are stuck perhaps and causing pain are given a place to move. And uh, it's, pretty, it's pretty, you know, I guess I should be better at describing it by now, but um, people, people feel a lot of different things from acupuncture treatments, but overall it's a kind of anti-inflammatory preventative healing process. That is
2: helpful. Is that help? The first time I got acupuncture, I didn't have a thought for the – it was the first time I remember not having a thought for, like, 30 seconds. And I was like, I was like oh, my God. Oh, I wow. didn't even know that was possible to not have thoughts. What is the – what? What?
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. Also, people tend to go into these, like, acupuncture naps, and um, that's kind of a – that's the space that I think perhaps you reached, which was the, like, no space, no time, mm. like, no brain – yeah. And that's where actually uh, the self-healing like activities, I guess, of the body are really turned on and given a chance to get underway. Beautiful.
2: And then what came after acupuncture? So you, you do acupuncture school, which is not an insignificant thing. <laughs> it's not like, well, that was three months. Yeah, and that then... was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, So one of the things that people may or may not realize about acupuncture school is that it's pretty intense. It was, uh, it's a three or four year master's program, it can be a doctorate degree as well, depending on where you're going and what you're studying. But um, one of the things that was missing from the program that I attended was, they really didn't teach us how to, how to touch people or how to be with people. And that to me seemed kind of like at the end of school, I was like, oh, shouldn't I know like more about how to be with people by now. And that's kind of when I discovered Healing Touch, which was in an acupuncture session with somebody who was ostensibly treating my Mm -hmm. shoulder pain, right? But, (laughs) But actually, she was like upgrading my entire existence. And she did a little bit of Healing Touch. And at the end of it, I was like, what is that? How do I do it? Like, what just happened? Because I had never been touched with that kind of love and care before. The experience I had receiving that was so profoundly healing. So I started studying healing touch, which is, again, like we said, like a a Reiki-like form of energy medicine. And what I loved about it was there was so much work in the program around kind of what your intention is with how you touch people and how you set up a healing space, how you set up your energetic boundaries in a healthy way to be of service to the other person and to be of service to yourself in the process. And these were kind of all the things that I didn't learn in acupuncture school, but but I knew I needed to know how to do in order to really be of service to people in a healing practice. And so Healing Touch really arrived at the perfect time. Um, and kind of helped me receive a lot of great mentorship around those areas and the practices of getting present and grounding and setting intentions for the session and releasing attachment to outcome to the session, which is another yeah, super sounds, important thing. that sounds thing. difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I feel like- we don't, we don't talk about enough. Um, but those are, those are practices that have carried through to kind of every area of my life at this point and have really changed the way that, uh, I've practiced acupuncture with my patients. And how
2: has your energy changed as a result of that? I'm going to assume that you are bigger and softer, but I could be wrong. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, how is my energy different? Um, I think my energy is, well, not I think, I know my energy is bigger and softer, but I'd also say lighter because I've learned a lot about what it feels like on the subtle level to, to carry other people's stuff for them and what it feels like to see other people's stuff and be in that experience with them and give it back at the end of a session or the end of a conversation or the end of a work day, whatever it might be. So I feel like my health and vitality is so much um, more on, I guess, since learning more about my own energetic practices and what it feels like to really connect with the earth and what it feels like to give away and create those kind of clean boundaries with people, but it's still a work in progress. I mean, I think if, if your relationship with your own energy is not shifting and changing and being challenged, then you're not really showing up or paying attention.
2: That's fair. And so can you give the, (laughs) the sort of secret sauce on, I see that I can see that that's painful. I can be in that with you and I don't have to carry it. Cause I think part of the like being sensitive in the world is that you, I I don't want to speak for everyone, but, me personally, it took decades of like, I'm just going to pick that up and carry it around until somebody notices that they don't hurt anymore because I'm carrying that. And it's taken a long time to unlearn the practice of sort of voluntarily picking up what other people can't seem to hold.
1: Yeah, I mean, isn't that the work? <laughs> and I also think that's that's not just people who I think identify as empaths or healers or sensitive. I think it's kind of human to see other people in pain, whether it's on a conscious or subconscious level and want to help out and carry that pain. I think it's what we do. I think it's like what part of what we were designed for. But um, um, there's a lot of different ways to approach Uh, energetic boundaries. And for me, I've definitely explored like the full run of them from having no energetic boundaries, like i.e. literally feeling everything of everybody else's, Mm -hmm. getting all the colds, getting all the flus, like just having no vitality of my own because I was really, really open and um on the other end of the spectrum, I've also experimented with being really closed and kind of setting up like a firm boundary, you know, like nothing gets in. But like that's not a great way, that's not a great way to live either, because um things gotta you gotta be able to receive and you gotta also be able to let go of things as well. So if you have too strong of a boundary, then you end up in like this kind of similar situation at the other end of the spectrum. But what I've come to is uh, creating little rituals throughout my day where I have the opportunity to consciously release other people's energy. Um, so what that looks like for me is uh, before my workday, and then sometimes before every client that comes in my door, I am consciously feeling into the bottoms of my feet and feeling a connection with the earth And then bringing that energy back up through my body so that I can really feel the support of the earth and bringing that up to connect with kind of like the universe or the heavens, however Mm -hmm. you want to call it, bringing that back down to me. And it makes me feel so centered and balanced and supported and also receiving that it helps me enter into kind of any therapeutic conversation or session uh, with my own sense of grounded self, and also with the intention that I can be present with somebody and allow our energy fields to merge and allow this person to really be seen and felt and understood for the purposes and time length of that session and that session only. And then at the end of a session or a workday, you know, kind of depending on what I need right then or what's gone on that day, I will consciously release everything in that person back to them and ask for all of myself back. So I think something we don't realize is that we are often like carrying other people's stuff for them, but uh, they're also carrying little bits of us. And sometimes um, it can be really therapeutic to make sure that you're asking, you're you're kind of going through your own process of saying, I'm giving all of you back to you and I'm asking for all of me to be returned to Mm. me. And even saying something that simple, I can feel a shift in my body. I can feel myself becoming a magnet for all of my own energy and just calling that back in. And kind of that same feeling of just giving away somebody else's energy, I can feel it leaving. Mm And I'm not a super like sensey person. I'm not super psychic. You know, I don't have voices talking to me. I don't have those kinds of experiences of intuition. So this is kind of like one of the few things that I really feel clearly in myself. And I think if you get quiet and practice it, I think most people can feel that as well. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like the, the medium length version of what that looks like for me. And I also will ask that um, people be kind of released to the care of their own higher self, their own guides and helpers or whatever it is in the religion or spiritual tradition that resonates with them. Um, I will kind of without saying it out loud, I'll just say it to myself, just ask that this person be kind of released over to continued care and support. And um And I feel like that's like a really nice way to envision them continuing to be uh, cared for and healed by themselves and their own team of helpers going forward so that they're not on my mind all day. Yeah, (laughs) that's beautiful and fair.
2: Like they were in the care of the divine long before you and they will be long after you. I love it. So um, the reason. Sure.
1: Yeah. One more thing. Oh, I wanted to say um, dealing with people in my personal life. On the other hand, I do that. But also, um, I highly recommend kind of getting into a nonviolent communication practice. I feel like it's been really helpful for me and kind of understanding my personal boundaries in my relationships, whether it's with friends or family or um, intimate partners. Um, I feel like the tools and the languaging of nonviolent communication has really helped with those closer relationships where you know you have these long-term kind of energetic patterns with people that are a little harder to get at with those simple kind of you know boundary connections and demarcations sure. and that is there I just described.
2: A, a specific book or class or program that you recommend?
1: There is there is a book called Nonviolent Communication. It's been around for a while. Um, you can Google it, Amazon it, find it. Um, but it's it's been really helpful for me over the last 10 years and specifically over the last few years where I've really started practicing it and noticing kind of how my energy feels in my personal relationships. Um, Beautiful. Highly recommend it.
2: And um, the reason that you're here um, is because I love you and I love you because... <laughs> Um, I was at this point of like, okay, something's really, 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 really broken. And I intuitively knew that it was my thyroid and I got a test. Right. And then it was like, oh, it's very broken. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to reach out to sort of two people simultaneously. And so I reached out to you and I reached out to like a traditional Western medicine, technically my like chief caregiver sort of person. And with you, we were, we, we talked and then, um, you made suggestions and links and helpful ideas. And you asked, like, what can you tolerate and what is intolerable? Um, like there was a supplement at some point that tasted like battery acid. And I was like, I can't, I just can't do that. I just, I cannot be expected. And you were like, okay, well, then we'll get you a different one. Um, and the level of being withness is just remarkable. And, um, I want to contrast that with I was just built, one hundred and twenty-one dollars to see a doctor for six minutes and have her tell me to go on a pill for the rest of my life, and she didn't offer any lifestyle changes, any nutritional changes, any anything at all except you're broken. Here's a pill, um, and I just want to contrast that because it's so it's so stark, and it's you give me hope for healthcare. Um, so, can you talk to me about vast difference in approach, and also how you don't implode every time you talk about the American healthcare system. Like speaking speaking of nonviolent communication, like how is it even possible to exist in quote unquote the same space, but not really.
1: Gosh. Yeah, this is like the challenge of a lifetime, I feel like for professionals who do what I do. And I think the first thing to, that I try to keep in mind when I have like a frustrating doctor experience, um, which by the way, I've had many of, but I've also had some really amazing kind of traditional Western MD doctor experiences. And what I keep have to keep in mind is that they weren't taught this stuff. Like I know a completely different set of information and way of viewing the body and the human experience in the environments that we're in. Like I know I know, you know, very little that they know and they know very little that I know. They weren't taught nutrition in in school. They weren't taught that diet matters. You know, it's it's all very tangential, these things that I use at the center of my practice, which are really back to basics. You know, I use acupuncture and all these things, but what I what really heals people is when they get involved in their own healing and their own day-to-day living. And it means the little dietary changes and it means the meditation practice and the movement and prioritizing sleep. Like it's your job. So this is the stuff that I know that I know that works and that's low cost or free. A lot of it actually. Um, And I have to remember that doctors were not really most of them were not taught this stuff. And if they know anything about it, it's really because of a personal interest or because they have some patients who really shifted their thinking on it. Um, how do I not implode every time I think about the one? <laughs> um, I'm not sure. I do. Impl- I do. I do. I will get riled up and angry, I'll be honest, because I. See people not getting the care that they deserve, or not having access to resources because of the way that we've set up uh, healthcare in this country, and it does sometimes totally make my blood boil. I mean, real talk. Um, <laughs> so how? But I think what we're all kind of coming to, and this is my this feels like part of my like life purpose and job is just to be here and support people alongside those other processes and to hopefully be part of the process of a much closer kind of coming together of all these different medicines. And I was listening to another podcast interview the other day between uh, Frank Lipman and Aviva Ram. And I know you know who Aviva Ram is, but she's a uh, herbalist and midwife and MD. And they were talking about this concept of quote unquote, good medicine, and how they try to practice good medicine, which is essentially kind of pulling the appropriate tools from all the different traditions uh, at the appropriate time. And a lot of times the unsexy, non-pharmaceutical lifestyle tools are what are part of long-term healing and prevention for people. So it's knowing to look for those and use those before you get into more dramatic interventions, which may be necessary and may be life-saving. Um, so yeah, I try to keep the concept of good medicine in the back of my mind. And I'm also somebody whose life has been saved a million times by Western medicine. Like I wouldn't, I would not be here without it a bunch of times. So, you know, I'm bowing down in gratitude to the things that we've been able to figure out and the emergency medicine that we've created. It's like truly miraculous. And also, um, you know, it's, Life saving is not the same thing as, like, health engendering. So, mm-hmm. yes, that's. I'm like, did that answer your question? What was the no, question?
2: It did, it did. It did. It did. The question is sort of a vague, just riff on it type thing. Um, while I have a, a healer present, um, what is the
1: thing? The most common thing that people come to you for help with. Um. That's a great question. Um, The most common thing that people come to me for help with is uh, the health effects of chronic stress. So there's no particular health issue or disease that I specialize in that really predominates what I do, but I see a lot of people who have chronic health issues, whether those are physical issues or autoimmune diseases or um, kind of emotional and mental health challenges that are really compounded by living a lifetime of chronic stress. And all of the tools I offer really reprogram and reset the nervous system and shift it from kind of an active stress response into that um, repair restorative mode. And that is a big part of the beginning of healing for a lot of people. You know, the herbs are really specific. The acupuncture can be specific. Um, even breath work can be specific, but. Uh, The first thing that we're doing, and I feel at this point pretty confident is the most important part, is kind of taking away that top layer of a stress response. Um, But yes, in terms of health conditions, I do see a lot of people with complex autoimmune conditions. I see a lot of people who've been to the doctor a million times and don't have any good answers or way forward about how to actually heal. Um, I see a lot of digestive issues a lot of chronic insomnia, which is kind of my lot in life because I am a chronic insomnia person. Mm-hmm. So you get, <laughs> you get what you need to learn to some extent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it really all comes okay. back to stress. And as you
2: start to peel back those layers of the chronic stress, what is the advice you find yourself giving the
1: most often? I think the thing that I tell people most often is that They matter and that they deserve the time and space that it takes to feel better.
2: Well, damn.
1: And (laughs) yeah, that's what I come back to, you know, and then I tell them to sleep more and drink more water and stuff like that. But, but really for everybody, I think what I'm bringing into each session is that presence and that listening that shows people that, they really are needed and they really are important and feeling better is their birthright. So I hope that's what people are taking away from sessions with me. That's my hope and prayer.
2: Well, that's beautiful. And you say on your website, I treat my business as a never ending evolving experiment and how I can be of deep service to you. And since I can truly only take you as far as I've gone myself My work is a reflection of my joyful, heartfelt commitment to my health. I am living steeped in the modalities I practice and the suggestions I make and the resources I share. Can you talk to me about how to be and stay in that place of presence and deep service, um, and even the difference between being of service, quote-unquote, as lip service, and actually being in service?
1: Mm. Yeah, well, I love, I'm like, thanks, Krista Tippett. I love the quotes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, i like, you said that? Yeah. Uh, you did say that. You sound really smart yeah, saying no, it. I totally it really did say it. that. And it's, <laughs> so I guess the kind of, the, one of the reasons that I do this work is that I couldn't figure out how to really take care of myself in my previous career. And I was in kind of, I was in the best possible setup for a career, I guess. I worked for a wonderful Uh, foundation and nonprofit organization on global clean energy policy issues. And we had a lead platinum office and the people I worked with were really mission driven and lovely and, and it should have worked, but I felt like my vitality was being extinguished slowly and I couldn't figure out how to get it back in that environment. And I, I kind of instinctively knew that in order to, heal myself, I would have to be doing something where I had absolutely no choice but to be showing up for myself every day. So um, I guess uh, one could look at this as the hard way or the easy way, I'm not sure. But uh, I did put myself in the career where I really have to take deep care of myself in order to Uh, see what it feels like to go through all the various stages of healing and kind of like the spiral nature of it and to have hard times and easier times and contractions and expansions and let my self-care practices evolve along with that. And sometimes they're inadequate and broken and sometimes I'm overdoing it and I can scale back a lot and just have a lot more fluidity and fun but really uh, I'm doing this work because I needed to figure out how to heal myself. And so that means that anything that I'm telling people, like I've probably experienced it or used it on myself at some point. And not to say by any means that everybody's experience is the same. Like we all take in, healing in a different way we all create different healing experiences for ourselves and that's kind of why i do all these different things i do is that some people respond better to herbs some people respond better to breath work or to healing touch and um not everybody's the same but train of thought completely lost um
2: (laughs) It's okay, no, I think it it's helpful to know that that's a, an important part of it, that some part of being of, in, in deep service and of deep service is that you've done all the things yourself, that you're not teaching karate and you've never chopped anything with a karate chop in your life, that you've very much put these things into practice and use them, and they've worked on you and they've done things, and then you share the the things and the practices that have done the most work on you. I think that's a beautiful, beautiful, difficult, challenging, amazing practice and can you speak because i didn't even ask i just assumed that you'd been a healer from like age six um can you view that were having your vitality being extinguished even though you were in a nonprofit in a lead platinum office with mission-driven humans and that in theory is like the most beautiful spectacular place to work
1: um yeah yeah that so that experience was really interesting for me because I felt like the fork in the road became really clear. You know, I had spent my whole my 20s being like what am I doing with my life? Like I guess I'm going to help. I'd like to help. Like how can I help? And I had grown up in uh an environment of people who really were able to bring themselves out of the restrictions and limitations of their upbringings by getting these office jobs. So the story in my family was like, kind of like office job equals freedom. But um, it didn't occur to me that I didn't have to work in an office job, which I know is a really silly thing to say, but I didn't get that for years and years that there is a different way of contributing to the world besides using my intellect and actually using my intellect is only like a small piece of what I could do for people. So yeah, I had to get really real about the fact that even in this ideal environment where I felt really inspired by the work that we were doing, I couldn't quite make it all connect and I had a couple of bosses over the years who were like you're good at stuff, but we can't tell what. <laughs> <laughs> and right, you know and they, they'd be like, you're good at writing. Like, should you do more writing? Or they'd be like, uh, you know, we notice that everybody is pulling you aside constantly to tell you their problems. Um, and so eventually I kind of understood, like, I do, I have some gifts, I have some natural abilities, and they're probably not best served here because mm. none of us can figure out exactly what to do with me.
2: <laughs> you are not a good cog in this corporate machine, damn it. yeah,
1: yeah. And that, <laughs> Pretty much. And I also had to kind of get clear on, oh, you can like be an adult without sitting at a desk, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. And speaking of writing, um, word on the Instagram has it that you are writing a book and I'm going to need you to tell me uh, all the details, please.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I am writing a book. It's been super, super fun and also really interesting process. Mm -hmm. Um, I think everything I do is a process of my own self healing, but getting comfortable enough to even say like, Hey, Kristen, I'm writing a book or like putting it on Instagram. I think that's something that even like a year ago or year and a half ago would have been really uncomfortable for me because like many people who show up in my office, um, I've had to unwind perfectionism in my life Mm -hmm. and in my work Mm -hmm. and to learn how to do things anyway and let it be a work in progress and let it be messy and maybe say the wrong thing and piss some people off or, you know, whatever. But I used to say nothing because it felt really safe to just not even participate. So writing a book has been really interesting and funny because it's pushing me up on a new level against all of those kind of challenges. Um, but what it's about is using ear seeds or auriculotherapy to heal yourself. So the ear is a microsystem for the whole body, mind, spirit in Chinese medicine. There are other microsystems that people might be familiar with, like feet and hands, like for reflexology or the face. Um, some holistic aestheticians map the whole body to the face, but... But the ear is also a microsystem and you don't need needles to treat it. You just need some tiny stick on seeds, which are used to be the plant focaria. And now more commonly we use these little metal gold plated or stainless steel seeds um, on certain points that are correspond to where, whatever's going on with your physical body. And I feel really strongly about this because one of the things that I hope to share with people is that like I said before the most powerful things for healing are the little things that we can do for ourselves every day like the free things the cheap things just the way that we can be with ourselves and breathe a little deeper and um, and rest a little bit more like those are the real healing things and there is no product out there that I'm aware of yet that really dives into how to just do ear seeds yourself and uh so I'm really excited about it. It's been really fun to write and you know, it's a trojan it's a trojan horse <laughs> in a way <laughs> because it's actually it's actually about self-healing but um doing that using ear seeds. Awesome. And does it have a name and does it have a release date? Ooh, still workshopping the name, okay. but um I am wrapping it up in may and i'm printing it in may or early june and that will be kind of announced on my instagram which was align new york and also on my email newsletter which you can sign up for at AlignNewYork.com. um and i can't wait to see what people do with it yeah and how
2: is how have ear seeds um influenced you because they that seems like such a tiny tiny
1: tiny tiny thing To write a book about. So, oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Um, Ear seeds are super fun. I first came across them when I was in acupuncture school and I did a clinical rotation at Housing Works, which offers a free acupuncture clinic to the people that it serves. And I noticed in doing that that there were a lot of people that showed up who really didn't want needles. They just wanted ear seeds. And I, at the time, I was like, you know, a couple years into acupuncture school, didn't really know a lot about auriculotherapy using the ear, ear seeds. And I was like, this is silly, but sure. And over the course of a month, you know, my thinking on that completely shifted because I saw that these people showed up week after week for ear seeds alone and they helped their life, um, for such a range of things. It would be anxiety, insomnia, digestive issues, uh, headaches and chronic pain, um, even this one woman had um, had bleeding hemorrhoids and i put in the hemorrhoid ear seed point thinking there's no way that this is going to mm-hmm. help her and i saw her the next week and she was like it went away within a day of you putting that in after being there for oh 3 weeks oh my god yep so i got a lot of i got a lot of uh, feedback and reinforcement during that clinical shift that this really helps people with a lot of stuff. And it doesn't take that much. It doesn't have to be this big deal. It doesn't have to be an hour-long acupuncture appointment. Um, just using your own body to kind of tell it, to give it give it some new information and some new directions is, is more than enough. So that was my first experience with it. But then I started using ear seeds for myself to increase energy because I was going through a kind of detoxification time in life, and I felt really fatigued. And uh, I used points that were related to the different ways that we take in energy f- through our environment, whether that's through the breath or through the digestive system, and also used some points that were designed to clear foggy thinking. And it was enough by itself; I didn't need anything else. So. Um, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Like, this is like a strangely powerful tool that I'm like, how come we're not talking about this yet?
2: Because it's so, it's so small. And for people that have never seen an ear seed, it's like a, a millimeter by three millimeters, maybe. Like it, like it's
1: tiny, 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 tiny. Like so little. But I think the big the big picture is that our bodies were literally designed to heal themselves and they will take whatever instructions we give them to do that. Like, they will take it from everywhere. And our bodies are so smart that, like, beyond smart, like, so many things. I mean, something that I often ask people to do when they're having a really tough time with whatever issues they're facing is, like, you know, make a list of everything in your body that's working, everything in your life that's working, and you could be busy all day because this staggering amount of things that are working in your body to keep you going and to self-heal and regenerate, it's just mind blowing. So these little ear seeds are just like tiny inputs into how to access that, those mechanisms that keep us constantly healing and repairing.
2: That's beautiful. And, um, basically everyone should get this ever. Um, and then uh, what is your personal, um, practice looking like at this moment? Is there any new modality that's coming in? Is the writing kind of it is self-expression coming out in other ways? Like what's, what's shaken in the land?
1: Um, I think I need to pause on accumulating new modalities. for the moment. <laughs> <laughs> never. Um, I know. Never. Uh, I'm just so curious. I can't help it. What am I going to do? I got to follow things, but, um, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty feeling pretty good about the modalities right now. I feel like people's needs are fairly well met <laughs> through them <laughs> in many different ways. But uh, what I'm really focusing on is, yeah, I, I like you said, self-expression, and for for me and for all of us, and self-expression as a tool for healing. Um, I think is a really important thing that's coming up in the world around me and in the people who come to me. Um, We just all have so much stuff that we were taught not to say or that it wasn't safe to say or ways of being in the world where maybe they made us feel like we were targets or feel like it just wasn't safe to be who we fully are. So I'm still working on healing my my self-expression and using that for myself and using that for everyone. Um, and the other thing, I guess that's kind of a lie. Sorry, Kristen, I do have a new modality. Oh shit. What is it? (laughs) No, um, it's not a new modality, but I've been using more essential oils in my practice and it's been really fun. There's something that I use with people who I use them with everybody who comes to me in person at this point, but I also they're pretty amazing for people who want to receive needle free treatments um, because there's a specific kind of thing that scent does that nothing else does. And I hope like if this still exists in like 50 years, I would love to listen to this interview again, because (laughs) I think that the medicines of the future are really all of the vibrational tools like sound and hands-on touch, and movement, and light, and flower essences, and even the vibration of the plants that's contained in things like essential oils. Um, I think that what we're going to find in further exploration of kind of how the human body works, and how the human and the environment works, is that these these things that we consider small, or kind of tangential, are actually what is truly healing. So I'm having a fun time, like smelling things and seeing their effect on people and learning from my teachers, my essential oil teachers about how the, they play with the acupuncture points and meridians and um, how they feel to people in their bodies. And I guess I'm getting a little deeper into that. Yeah,
2: that's beautiful. <laughs> it feels like the future is very analog. It's very like one-on-one and we're gonna chill and we're gonna do some things that our ancestors would have done if they had been into Reiki. <laughs> <laughs> when
1: well, they probably were. Like I mean billing right. is like the oldest thing in the book, right? <laughs> yeah. So
2: if you had a billboard that everyone on earth could read, what would it say?
1: <laughs> um, just the one? I would probably I think it goes back to what I said before. It says something like You matter, I see you, I love you.
2: And uh, I have this thing that you probably can't help with, but you definitely can. Um, Where do people find you, hire you, give you dollars or love or see you in general?
1: Oh, thanks. Um, I have offices in Brooklyn and Manhattan if you're in New York City. And I offer all of my services in person at those locations, which you can learn more about at align And I also see people remotely for healing touch and for breath work. So I work with people who live up the street from me in Brooklyn and are more comfortable receiving it in their own home and people who live all the way across the country as well. In case you're curious and experiencing distance healing, it's crazy powerful. Um, and again, you can find more information about that at align And then I am like a heavy Instagram person at this point. I don't know why, but I just really like writing a thing on an Instagram post. So if you're curious about learning more about me and herbs and acupuncture and all these healing things, um, you can find me at Align New York.
2: Excellent. Um, and is there anything that you wish I had asked or that I missed or that you're like, damn it, Kristen, why didn't we talk about this?
1: Um, what did we miss? Um <clears throat> I would like to just give a shout out to another acupuncturist, Amy Koretsky, who talks a lot about the difference between self-care and healthcare, which I think is really important for all of us. I think there's a lot of things that we've kind of, as we've grown the public conversation about actually taking care of ourselves, there's a lot of things that we are thinking of as self-care that are actually healthcare care and should be non-negotiable. And those are different for everybody. But I would think about, I'd really like for us to all be thinking about like what our actual needs are and not just the extra things that really help us feel fully alive, but the things we really need in order to kind of be functioning at a pretty good level all the time. Um, does that like make sense? Sleep is not
2: self-care. Sleep is health care.
1: Oh, yeah. Sleep is, you know, like, that's exactly it. It's like sleep, and it's like drinking water. And for some people, like, it's a weekly acupuncture appointment, that might be healthcare for you. But for somebody else with a different, you know, different body, different experience right now, uh, you know, acupuncture might be self care for them, it might be something that is not, is not mission critical for them to like, be in their life. But um, yeah, I would definitely like say sleep and taking a shower and eating nutrition. Like these are things that should be under under the non negotiable umbrella. Yeah, that's not,
2: it's not indulgent to sleep. That's just how it has to be in order to function.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Totally agree. So that was that was something I wanted to mention. And yeah, um, other people have talked about this before me in lots of detail. So if you're curious about it, um, definitely a good a web search around healthcare versus self-care might yield some interesting ways to think about um, what you're doing in your life and how maybe, you know, you, the way you spend your time and the way that you seek support from others might shift.
2: Beautiful. I think we will uh, leave it there. Thank you so much for coming to play with me. Yay!
1: Okay, thank you, Kristen.
2: So fun.